Okay, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 this morning. If you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to take all of our points right out of Romans chapter 8. Have you ever heard the saying, his head's just full of rocks? Something sort of like that. You know, metaphorically speaking, that's not too far from the truth because our minds are much more like buckets of rocks than they are just one big boulder. So to have a change of mind, to change our mind about something, you've got to move rocks from one bucket to another bucket. Scientifically speaking, you've, you've got to create new neural paths. I mean, this, I'm not just making this up, okay? I know you're thinking that. You've got to move the rock quite often one at a time from one bucket to another bucket. And this is how we change our minds. So if you've got you know, some things going on, oh, I want to I live more in the presence of God, well, you may need to move a rock that says that you're not worthy of God's presence. If uh, you want to, to uh, uh, be all that God created you to be, you may have to move a rock that's holding you to your past and keeping you bound, right? And there may be some small rocks, some thoughts that you know, just aren't leading you where they need to go. There may be some big rocks, like Texas A&M is a real college that you have to move. <laughs> but this is how, how we change. When we change buckets, we change stories. We were going to start a lesson series last week called Control Freak, but for those of you that were here, we never got to the preaching part of it because we just spent the whole time just praying and ministering over people, and that, that's beautiful and wonderful. I love when we have the opportunity to do that. So this message that I'm giving is really the message I was going to give last week. It's called Control Your Mind. This morning, we were going to be doing Control Your Mouth, but... God in his infinite wisdom said, let's do something else last week, and I get to say, if you will control your mind, it will control your mouth. Okay, so we don't have to spend two sermons on it, just one. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So here's the first thing we need to do. We need to take inventory of our thoughts. Inventory of our thoughts. What are we thinking and how are we thinking it? If we're going to be moving from, from the bucket of the sinful nature, I know that's kind of, ooh, the sinful nature, that sounds terrible. But you know the word sin is really, it's a Greek word. It's, it's an archery term that really just means miss the bullseye, miss the mark. So sin can be this great big thing, obviously, and we can all see these great big sins. You know, he murdered somebody, that is wrong, right? So that, that is a great big sin. But you know, sometimes the thoughts that we have, because they're missing God's mark, are sinful. The way that I think about myself is that in the bucket of the sin nature? 
the way that I think about others. Places where people have hurt me and I need to forgive. Where am I keeping that rock? Is it staying in the bucket of the sinful nature? Where does your mind go? Where does it wander to? Is it missing the mark when someone says something that triggers you? I'm an addict and I'll always be an addict. My family was trash and I'm trash. What bucket are we living out of? And are we, as we spend time with the Lord, are we allowing Him to change the way that we think and move the rocket, move the rock from one bucket to the other? And once again, we think about, you know, these big sins up here. You know, this is a big rock. You know, somebody's done something really wrong. It's a big rock. But what about just small rocks? Small thoughts that we, we've allowed to come into us that begin to identify us. Because you know, a small rock can suddenly become a big rock if this is what we're focused on. Sometimes we're missing God's mark and we even think that we're doing the right thing. You ever been there? In Matthew 26, Jesus, I'm sorry, not Matthew 26. There is not a Matthew 26. So if you're looking for that one, it won't be there. Matthew 16, Jesus has just uh, been talking to the, to the disciples and he says, who, who do people say that I am? And, and they say, well, some of them say that you're a prophet. You know, some of them say you're Elijah. Some of them say you're a teacher. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter jumps up. And he says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, no human being told you that. My father revealed that to you. And he's like, yeah, me. <laughs> Got that one right, huh? Well, you drop down just a little bit. And Jesus begins to talk about uh, how he's going to go to Jerusalem, how he's going to suffer, and how he's going to die. And in verse uh, 20, well... Uh, Peter runs to him and goes, no, 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 no. And in verse 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, this is the guy that, that Jesus had just spent time saying, hey, this, this rock, you're Peter. This rock, I'm going to build my church upon this rock. Peter, you're such a great guy. You're an awesome guy. And you got this revelation truth from God the Father. And in the very next conversation, he's looking at him and going, get behind me, Satan. Don't you know that did a whole lot for his self-esteem? Why was he saying that? Because you're a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. How often do we set our thoughts on the things of man instead of the things of God? This is what I want. It's going to stay in the bucket. This is what I need. It's going to stay in this bucket. This is the way that I think that it should be done. So it's going to stay in this bucket. 
Peter thought he was protecting Jesus, but he was really hindering the kingdom. Do you know good thoughts can sometimes be in opposition to God thoughts? We can have lots of good thoughts, but are they God thoughts? Is this the way God is leading us to do it? Now, the second part of uh, Romans 8, 5 there, we just, we just read that those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. And the last part of the, the scripture that, there says, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So are we dominated or are we controlled? Those that are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Are we dominated or are we controlled? Sin dominates, the Spirit controls. Now, I know we've probably all heard, heard this, this, this story in, in some form or fashion, but this is the way that I heard it the first time, so that's the way I'm going to tell it. This guy goes to Jerusalem or goes to Israel, and while he's over there, he's touring, and uh, they're outside of the city, and his tour guide begins to tell him about how they shepherd sheep over there, about how an Israeli shepherd will lead his sheep. The sheep know his voice. He speaks, and they follow. And just about the time he's telling this story, they come upon this group of sheep, and there's a guy behind the sheep with a big stick, and he's whacking the sheep. He's trying to get them to move, and he's smacking these sheep. And the American says, I thought that Israeli shepherds lead. They don't push. And he said, that's not the shepherd, that's the butcher. Sin pushes. God leads. God leads us. In Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, it says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Being controlled by the Spirit really is an act of worship. And it's also a sacrifice. Moving the rocks takes sacrifice. So if we want to move the rocks from this place of being driven by the sinful nature, but we want to be controlled by the Spirit, we've got to move the rocks from this bucket to this bucket. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's a sacrifice. I deserve God's bucket. Do you know how they treated me? I'll never forgive them. It's a sacrifice to put it in God's bucket. Yeah, but I'm right and they're wrong. You ever notice that God's not as interested in who's right and who's wrong? He's just interested in your heart, right? You can be right all day long and be wrong in your attitude about it. <laughs> and if that's the way that you think, guess what? You're staying in this bucket. 
I deserve this. Somebody should treat me right. Here's a tough one. Somebody's done you wrong. Yeah, it's a sacrifice to forgive. But what about, Lord, Lord show me how I'm wrong in this part too. Because it's rarely all their fault. <laughs> Lord, where have I been wrong? How am I missing you? How are, how, how are my thoughts keeping me from being who God created me to be? Keeping me stuck in this bucket of sinful thinking, being, being uh, uh, driven and dominated by sinful thinking. Remember, sin is just missing the mark. We would all agree, you know, murder, adultery, all these big things. But what about attitude? What about gossip? You ever, you, you, you ever get some, hey, I'm not talking about them, but did you know? Right? What about judgment? Ooh, we're good at that, aren't we? You can't even figure out your own motivation for doing things, but for some reason, you know exactly why they're doing it. It's a sacrifice to let go of what I think, what I want. how it ought to be. Lord, what's going on in me? Romans 12, verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies. Now, he is not talking necessarily about your physical body. He is talking about your whole being. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your whole being as a living sacrifice. Your thoughts, your wants, your desires as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Once again, this is worship. Sacrifice is worship. Because, God, I trust you more than I trust me. Sacrifice costs us something. We have to lay down our rights. We have to lay down what I deserve. Verse 2, and I'm going to read verse 2 out of the New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you. Let God transform you. Don't copy the customs and the behaviors of this world. What are the customs and the behaviors of this world? You don't think like I think. You don't look like I look. You don't vote like I vote. You don't live where I live. You don't worship like I worship. 
you don't read just the King James Bible. We live in a society that cannot get along, but the Lord, the Lord has just been, oh, I always use the word hammering on me, but people think that's wrong. When God is hammering on me, it's a good thing, okay? And this just this thing about unity and holiness, it's just, it's just beating in me. But we can't be in unity if I can't love and I can't love you because you're not just like me. I can't love you because you're not fulfilling my desires. Wrong bucket, right? Wrong bucket. Even though we have differences, there's Jesus. We may not even read the Bible exactly the same. We see things differently, but there's Jesus. Thank God for the cross and the blood. There's Jesus. Don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world. Don't act like they're acting on the, on, on the news. All right? Let God transform you. That word transform is metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis. This this is a change that doesn't usually happen just like that. You got to stay in the process. I got a whole bucket of rocks. And guess what? I might have a whole bucket of rocks just about my own identity. I may have a whole bucket of rocks just about unforgiveness. And God wants to empty the bucket. Let God metamorpho you. Let him change you into a new person by changing the way that you think. See, he's already talking to Christians. They've already come into a relationship with Jesus. We've been made perfect in our spirit, man. But the moment that you got saved, this old thing right here, this head, cabeza grande, it did not change. It's got to be metamorphosed. Rock by rock. By rock. Now listen to this. He wants to metamorpho you by changing the way that you think. Then, say then. Then you will know God's will for you. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wasn't expecting that one. Why do I have so much trouble understanding what God wants to do? Because you got a bucket full of rocks. You want this over here. God, just tell me about this. And he wants to tell you about this, but this is the way that it works with God. He's more concerned about this. Lord, is he the man I'm supposed to marry? You got identity issues. When we begin to press in, When we begin to allow the Lord to change the way that we think, rock by rock by rock, then we will know 
his will for us. And it will be good, and it will be pleasing, and it will be perfect. But we're not going to know that without some change. Back to Romans 8, verse 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So we need to understand that it is life or death. Our sinful human nature never goes away. It'd be great if it did, but it doesn't. It's always there hanging out. Sometimes it wants to talk to you. And even though, you know, we've put this over here in this bucket, we've put our stuff in God's bucket, but that old sinful nature comes along and something gets stirred up and we start taking things out of God's bucket. Why do we want to put it back over here? This is where we were having all the problems. That's reverse metamorphosis, isn't it? We get, we get to choose on a daily basis to follow God or to follow sinful thinking. And let me guarantee you, this is, this is, this is a 100% guarantee. You will have an opportunity every day to choose because there are other people on this planet. You've got to engage with people. And even if you were the only one in the planet, I'm going to go out in the desert and I'm going to be a monk. Guess what? You'll still be there. Because a lot of times, you is the biggest rock that needs to be dealt with. Let's move on because I am going slow. We're going to jump on down to four steps to helping you control your mind, all right? Just four quick steps. The first one is get honest. Acting like you got it, acting like it's all okay, convincing yourself you don't have an issue is the dumbest thing that you can do. Invite God to inspect your motives. Now listen to me. Invite God to inspect your motives. Because I hear people pray all the time, Lord, tell them what they're doing wrong. And you know what? They may be wrong. But you know what the first step is? Lord, show me. Lord, show me. Psalms 139, 23. This is David writing. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Once again, my heart's. My thoughts. Yeah, but they're wrong. They may be wrong, but you can only control you. And let me tell you something. I, I say this all the time, all the time, and I will probably say it till the day that I fall over. Because it is some of the greatest advice, really ministry advice, but just Christian advice that I have ever been given. 50%. Of what your enemies accuse you of is probably based in a nugget of truth. If you will be humble enough, God can even set you free 
as the enemy is trying to destroy you. He can show you things in the midst of this mess, this turmoil, this hurt. If we're humble enough to listen to him, if we're humble enough to get honest. Hebrews 3.12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts, your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Turning you away from the living God. No, I believe in God. I believe in God. I'm not, I'm not talking about your eternal salvation, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in all these instances where we get to believe God. When rejection comes up. Well, we can be unbelieving in that. I just feel like I'm being rejected again. This always happens to me. I don't know why this always happens to me. Are we going to keep it in the bucket? Or do we say, no, that's not who God has metamorphosed me to be. That is not who God has changed me to be. God, if I'm dealing with rejection, deal with it in my heart so I can be free from it. Not hide from it. Not make excuses. Whatever it happens to be. And the truth is, There is places in all of our hearts. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. I don't care how holy you are. I don't care if angels walk before you and play harps and sing about you coming. There are things in all of us that God wants to set free. The moment we get perfect, we'll see him. We'll be there. All right, the second thing, real quickly, get aggressive. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we destroy. Now, think about the word destroy. I'm going to read this. Let me just read the whole thing here before I get started. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, there's some very strong words in there. Destroy. What do you think of when you think of destroy? Obliterate. Completely tear apart. Well, that's what he said we should do with every argument. Every argument that tries to jump up, you're going to have a thought, and you're going to get the opportunity to put it in this bucket or this bucket. When that, when that opportunity comes, when that comes up, when, why does this always happen to me? Why can't I stay in a relationship? Does God not love me? Those thoughts are going to come up right here, and you've got an opportunity. Are we going to put it in the bucket of me thinking? Because that's really what sinful thinking is. It's me thinking. Or am I going to put it in the bucket of God's thinking? Because it's going to come up there. And guess what? It may come one right after another, after another, after another. You're going through something and it feels like you're being stoned. You're just throwing at you. Where are we going to put them? Get aggressive. There was a time when I was, I was dealing with some stuff in my own heart many, many years ago, and uh, uh, I had just decided every time that thought came to my mind, I was going to stop and I was going to say out loud, no, 
I refuse that in Jesus' name. That is not who I am. And we happened to be in the grocery store one day. And Lisa sent me to get a loaf of bread. I went around to the loaf of bread. I, there, there was nothing about the loaf of bread that made this thought come into my mind. But I'm picking up this loaf of bread, and this thought hits my mind, and I'm holding this loaf of bread, looking at it, and I go, no, that's not who I am in Jesus' name. But you've got to get aggressive. You've got to destroy it. Do not give it a root. Do not play around with that thought. Put it to rest. Put it under the authority of God. And then last of all, get fixed. Get fixed. Philippians 4.8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Now, once again, what you think is true and what God thinks is true may be two different things. You can look at somebody and go, they're wrong. And it may be true in your heart, but what does God say about them? See, when we begin to pray these kind of prayers, God will start to show you what's going on with somebody else. He'll begin to show you how much he loves them and cares for them. Boy, it's kind of tough to be angry and hateful to somebody that God really, really loves. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You know what? If I think about you and all I can think about is what is excellent and worthy of praise, what is lovely and admirable, I don't have time. And I'm not making room to think about what a jerk you are. Right? No. Man, we, we may have had a confrontation and I may have thought you were a jerk in it. Or, you, or I, maybe I was the jerk in it. But if I'm all, if, if even though we've had a confrontation, I'm going to think about what's lovely, honorable, pure, and true about you. Well, they won't do it for me. I, once again, you cannot control other people. I'm not going to be in a place of bondage. So I'm going to move that rock. I'm going to move that rock. See, wrong thoughts. I know we've been talking about rocks, but we're going to change metaphors here. Wrong thoughts are like weeds. If we don't control them, they will take over. When Lisa and I first moved into the house that we live in, the people that we bought the house from, they had wild onions in the backyard. And they would pick these wild onions and they would eat them. My wife will not do that. She absolutely refuses because we have a septic system. She says, I am not eating anything that has recycled water on it. So the first year, they were, you know, they were just kind of there where, where this, this, this couple had planted them. But we didn't really pay attention to them for a couple of years. And guess what? They spread. They were all over the place. Then came the times like, we're going to deal with the wild onions. And we went and bought some herbicide and some things that would kill them. We, we plucked up as many as we could. We sprayed the yard. And come the next year, guess what? We only had about a tenth of what we had the year before. Where there may have been a few hundred, 
There was just this little bitty patch of them over here. Well, you know what? I didn't deal with the little patch. You may feel like you've, well, I've been dealing with this. I've been dealing, I've dealt with my rocks. Well, there may be some residual in there. I didn't deal with the weeds. It was just a little patch. They're not going to harm anything. But guess what? Come back to next year, there's more. And because I'm quite lazy, I didn't do anything that year. But the next year, they were every. In fact, there was more than there was when we said, enough is enough. We all have thoughts, even Aggies. Have thoughts. What are we going to do with them? It's really up to us. Because of hurts, because of situations, because of things that we've gone through, our mind needs to be rewired some. We need to create those new neural paths. And we need to start moving some rocks. What's going on in your life? What thoughts dominate you? What, what thoughts sometimes just jump up out of the blue? Thoughts of being abandoned? Thoughts of hurt that happened years and years ago? Thoughts of being mistreated? How do we deal with those thoughts? Well, we need to get aggressive about it. We need to begin to destroy them. We, we need to begin to take them captive. I won't think that way because God is metamorphing me. I'm changing. Why is this so important? Because my thoughts keep me from being in unity with what God says. And also, being in unity with you, this is very important for us as a church. This is not a just, oh, let's think some nice thoughts. God really wants to do something. We've got to be in unity. And what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, we're like the Borg, everybody thinks alike and does alike? No. Yes, that was a nerdy reference, I'm sorry. That means I can walk alongside of you. And the heart of Jesus that's in me can connect with the heart of Jesus that's in you. And we can walk together. We can pray together. We can fight together. We can see God do through no New Covenant Church what He wants to do. But as long as we're separated, the enemy's winning. So it's important. It's important that we become who God has created us to be. Individually and as a church. Amen? 
Maybe while we were talking, God reminded you of a rock. Something that you've been holding on to. Something that he wants to move. Something that he wants to control. I've been moving rocks all week. It's amazing when, when uh, you know, if, if I'd have preached this last week, you might not have known the difference. <laughs> but I had to move some rocks this week. So this is much more of a real message. Because I lived it this week. And I had the opportunity to go, no, I'm staying right here. I'm offended. I'm mad. I'm, you know. But that's not the heart of God. Move a rock. Move a rock. So are there some rocks in your life? There's some things going on that are holding you back. The way that you think about you, are you still holding on to, to a place of hurt? What Your rock may seem silly to, to a lot of us. Oh, that's a dumb rock. But to you, it's not a dumb rock. To you, it's something that needs to be moved. To you, it's the key. To freedom. Let's move some rocks. You willing to move some rocks? You willing to take a step and just say, I want to move a rock? Maybe a bucket of rocks. We want God to control it, right? Right. Would you be willing to say, Yeah, Lord, I want to move the rock? That's all he's asking. That's really all he's asking, okay? So, Father, Holy Spirit, show us. Show us. We're open to you. We don't want to be bound. We don't want to be angry. We don't want to be afraid. Show us. And, Lord, we determine whatever you show us. To the best of our ability at this moment, we will press into it. We'll move a rock. Lord, forgive us where we haven't moved rocks. Forgive us where we've held on to rocks. But Lord, you show us, and we're going to move a rock. You agree with that? If you agree with that, say amen. Amen.